And there, please, the music. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the commentary for Genesis Avalon, episode 10. I totally, I totally went, I was way faster than Bruce this time. That, like, never happened. You were, you were very fast, I indeed. Hello. Hello. I'm here, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there he is, there's Bruce. Anyway, um, also with me is Chris Britton, who is the editor and also plays Obsidian on the show, but, uh, Mainly you're in here in an editorial Episode, capacity. Yeah. Um, mainly. Mainly. Yeah. <laughs> One thing at a time. One thing at a time, exactly. Yeah. So uh, here we are at the beginning of episode 10 after I ripped your hearts out with a spoon and trampled on it. Um, it was it was a painful, painful experience. I've only just finished putting mine back together, so be quite <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I would apologize, but I'm not really sorry, so it's okay. No, you're not really sorry at all, are you? No, no, no. no. I'm a cold-hearted bitch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so here we've got... Um, poor poor Jana is, like, in such a state after having dropped Roxy's body off of the hospital, where they basically went... They just did that whole shaking their head thing. Well, we're going to go pronounce the time of death. <laughs> um, and then she flew off to go find Natalie. And, uh... Yeah. I feel like I probably should have had a shot of her actually taking Roxy to the hospital, but it almost felt, like, gratuitous and a little repetitive to have her taking her to the hospital when we already know she's dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, covered that last I think that's it. Unless it was going to further the plot in some way or there was going to be a conversation there that was going to, like... I, I don't know. As you, as you said, no, I, no, I think because the last episode ended so painfully as it was... You, with this, you really needed to open it with something going on. I yeah. think this conversation is, is a better place to start off. Yeah, especially since this is where Natalie finds out that she's Avalon. And it makes it two people mm. that Jaina's told. Um, which, you know, it's one of those... It's sad, because, like, poor Nat finds out that Jaina's Avalon at the same time that she finds out that Roxy's dead. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised that girl manages to stay so strong. But that's one thing I like about Natalie's character, is she's like... She's that friend that when you go crying to her because, like, your grandma died or something, she's just, like, totally strong the entire time. So. Hmm. We all need at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Natalie's that kind of person. I mean, Z's pretty... Z is strong, too, but I think she's strong more in that she plays at the apathetic character more often. Like, she pretends to be more apathetic than she is. Well, yeah, and she's not going to put up with the uh, with uh, with uh, Avalon just sitting around and crying on her yeah. shoulder, Magenna crying on her shoulder. You know, she's going to get yeah, get your ass going, yeah. get on yeah. with it, be fine. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, I mean, Z is much more of the uh, the the she'll poke and prod you and tell you that you're being stupid and to grow a pair and move on. <laughs> whereas exactly. Jane, whereas Jane really kind of does need Natalie right now. And, and I feel bad for Nellie because she is trying to, at the same time that she's comforting, you know, Jay, she's trying to explain to her, look, you can't save everybody all the time. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to play God. That's just not the way it works. Um, and this whole notion of Jaina playing God will come into play more, like, in the next two seasons. You'll see it a lot more. You'll see, you'll hear more people say, you know, whether or not she's playing God, stuff like that. So... Yeah, well, I feel that the, the episode the the episode nine was a real like sort of game changer in terms of how she views herself and how other people view mm -hmm. her, and I think really between ten and the end of the season, it's it's all pretty much fallout from that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, here here we're lucky in that Jaina gets, you know, as the episode says, cavalry. You know, reinforcements show up. And uh, by the way, people, if you have not listened to the episode, press stop. <laughs> Go and listen first, and then come back and hear this commentary. Who does that? I don't know. Seriously, I don't who know. are you? You know, we, we say that, I say that like every episode, but I don't think anybody actually does it, but I always feel that if I don't say it. Oh, no, I, I'm sure it happens. Yeah. I'm sure it does. I'm sure that person is still listening right now and going, <laughs> I'm still listening. You have told me not to listen, but I remain listening and you cannot stop me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or something along those lines, maybe not quite so camp. <laughs> this is very Eddie Izzard of you. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yes. And poor, okay, poor Alicia. I had her do these lines where she just has to go from calm to sobbing. And she was like, I think I made her like cough and die in the middle of one of the takes or something. Because she's, she's doing such a good <laughs> job that she made herself cough and choke. And I felt so bad for her. It's like, I'm sorry. You're yeah, stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I find it incredibly difficult. Whenever I, whatever whenever I get lines and it's like some kind of sound that isn't a word I'm like oh god <laughs> I just <sighs> damn <laughs> especially screams screams and shouts of pain oh, and, and when I you're sitting there by yourself too. going ah oh, it's just like oh god no, and I love giving please. those to people too I'm so mean I'm like eh, yes you do you yes. scream like you've never screamed before SFX <laughs> like like, I think in the episode where Belial electrocutes Avalon, this, the line was something like, scream, like, scream like your your head's on fire or something crazy like that. It was like, scream bloody murder. <laughs> ow, ow, my head's on fire. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, um, yeah, and then, I, you know, I think part of this whole thing is this is the episode where you start to realize that Jaina kind of becomes rudderless. After losing Roxy, she doesn't I don't she really doesn't get a chance to recover in this episode. She spends most of her time going, I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And then Noir is able to kind of bolster her for a minute and tell her, Hey, no, you you can't play God. You're not God. So you either you either do what you can or everybody will die anyway. Because no one's doing it. Absolutely. I love this I love this I love the conversation between her and Noir and I love it how frustrated she is. Yeah, and I gotta give I gotta give Chris Hackney credit because uh he turns out a fantastic performance in this episode. He doesn't have terribly many lines. He's just got the one scene. But in it it's like you can feel how utterly frustrated Noir is to see this because I'm sure he's probably seen it with every single Avalon before her. Including Asara. I'm sure I'm sure each Avalon has a point in their life where they lose someone close and go, Well what the hell do I do now? What the hell yeah, was the of point of me doing this all this time if I had to lose people? So Yeah. So yeah, and then Yeah, and perhaps that's been different across the ages each yeah. time, but I think um once again, it can't be Asara just told her a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm such a bitch. I don't say anything to her. I'm so mean. Um, but yeah, like this line right here, when I first heard Chris read that, I was like, oh, um, hi, sorry you're mad. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It shivers up spine. It's yeah. good. It's really powerful. And it's hard to get that kind of power sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it was, and especially since, um, here's a secret. Uh, when Chris sent me those lines, originally they were so echoey, I asked him for a redo. 
And the fact that he was able to replicate the intensity of that performance the first time around into a second performance made me just go... <laughs> I was clapping when I got the line. Because <laughs> I'm a dork. <laughs> but, um, <coughs> the other big thing that I, I wanted to mention is that um, in this episode, by the end of this scene, at that very last line where she says that she has to keep going, you hear a distinct change in Jaina's voice. Her voice kind of loses that high-pitched super chipper and yeah. comes a little a little closer to how Avalon sounds. And I did that on purpose because I think that this first loss, like this loss is so personal that the only way she was ever going to be able to get through it was to accept the fact that she's Avalon. And part of that meant it's almost accepting it. So It's almost the coming together of the two identities. Yeah. Yeah. Which I assume, like, Asara, I always feel, by her, this, the time she was coming to the end of her time as Avalon, she was always Avalon and always Azara at the mm-hmm. same time. Oh, especially with Asara, because, um, you know, I think, and I think it's mentioned in the episode before or something, she basically became a hermit. I mean, she just stopped talking to people after a while. And was yeah. just, it was just Avalon. So she basically sacrificed that part of her to become Avalon. So... You know, yeah. Whereas, whereas Jaina has not even hit that point yet. Even though Asara told her, like no. in episode two, from now on, you will never think of things as just Jaina. You'll think of them as Avalon and Jaina. I think this is the first time when she finally starts to realize, no, I am Avalon even when I'm not. And this is the first time she starts to. Well, no, she started sensing demons last episode, but this is the first time where she's like, okay, this is annoying. What the hell? <laughs> I have spider sense. Why is it tingling? Explain, please. <laughs> <laughs> Come and work better. Yeah. <laughs> but um and then of course this is the part of the episode that makes me squeeze, so I'm gonna squeeze out <coughs> Okay. Um <laughs> That was so, good squeeze. Why are you squeeing? Squeeing because of that right there, that sound Exodus. Um I have been waiting for this moment since I started working on the show <laughs> five years ago. Um because when I wrote Genesis Avalon, I always knew that she was one half of a whole. And the other half of that is supposed to be her partner, Exodus Avalon. And this is a point where you finally freaking meet the guy! And he's like, I swear to God, he's like Errol Flynn. Um, especially when he's like, he flips over the car and shows up and he's like, ha ha! And um, I, gotta give, I gotta give David Alt credit because that was... That was just him coming up with something. I think the line was like, a noise as he flips over a car. <laughs> and he gave a very Errol Flynn, Robin Hood kind of flair to it. And um, yeah. I gotta give, I really do love David Alt in this role because when I cast him, um, uh, first of all, I didn't know that he and Laura worked together in Byron Chronicles. Is it Byron Chronicles? I think. They worked together a lot in lots of different projects from what I've heard. But because at the time when I cast him, it was like two years ago, I didn't know that they had like ever worked together before. And their chemistry is just so natural that um, it really they really work very well. And um, I know Laura herself is like a gigantic fan of Exodus. She basically sits there and like drools for half of episode, like like she's recording her lines. She like just sit there and go, "Oh, Sam!" <laughs> I'll randomly hear it in a recording. So is it always going to be Dave in the role of Exodus then? Um, yeah, I mean, unless unless he, you know, he has to step down or something. Um, uh, 
David does. He is Sam. I mean, he's he's been been the character since the beginning. After I cast him, um, I didn't know he was the person I was writing when I first started writing the role of Exodus. Right, um, that's what I wondered. Yeah. If, if I, I didn't know, I I I knew I knew what kind of voice I wanted, but um, actually, the way that I found out that I wanted him to play Exodus was he auditioned for some stuff on seminar back when I first started it, like three episodes yeah. in or something. He he was auditioning a lot for seminar. And I kept hearing his voice outside of, like, his lines that he had to read. Like, he would just be talking. And I was like, you know, this guy sounds... I feel like I need him for a role in something. And then I had to cast a bunch of demons for Avalon, and he auditioned for that, too. And I was yeah, like... He's, yeah, he has played a yeah, couple of demons. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I, I want you to be one of my stand-around demon guys, but can you also audition for this? And I sent him the role... I just sent him some lines from this particular episode of Avalon. And he nailed them, and I was like, okay, that's who I've been hearing in my head all this time. Um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those people that, no, you know, I'm not going to say that he's irreplaceable, because I do believe that at any point an actor can and sometimes needs to be replaced, but, I mean, it would be a serious blow to me to have to replace him, because I'd be like, oh. <laughs> oh, God, no, I never thought he, he'd change lead the role or anything like that, but I did wonder if... Uh, if, if you'd written it with his voice in mind, just because the lines uh, trip off his tongue yeah, so they do, well. Don't they? I mean, that is because he's an awesome actor. <laughs> well, yes, he is an but... awesome actor. But yeah, I think that I think that yeah, it is kind of uncanny how how well he has settled into the role. And I know that he's had a lot of like like trouble trying to settle into it in the first few episodes. And I do apologize, David. Hopefully, you're listening to this because I'm sorry. Um, I realized like I, I'm mixing episode 14 right now, and I swear to God, I gave that man a line, and I feel so bad for giving it to him because there's no I can't say it without tripping up. I don't know why I thought he could. <laughs> there's always a line yeah. like that in every episode like, of any show. There's always that line that nobody can actually yeah, and I was say. Like, what the hell was I thinking, giving him this line? <laughs> It makes sense when you write it down. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly what it was. This line sounded perfect when I wrote it. Like I could hear it in my head. And then he tried. He had to do it the first time, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a bitch. Why did I give this to him?" Like, <laughs> it needs some commas. Yeah, some commas. You know, freaking smaller words, maybe. <laughs> Semicolon. Oh, yeah, semicolons. Abbreviations. <laughs> Acronyms. <laughs> but um. And, oh, God, this is what's going on in the episode. I totally forgot what was going on in the episode. But this is me, so technically yeah, you can talk over me. But um, uh, this is the first time that you see that that, that Sam and Asara know each other. And, like, I had set up that Sam was going to show up two episodes before because Asara calls. And, yeah, with a, with, a, with a phone yeah, call. And Annie is his sister, but you, you won't meet her for a while. Um, <clears throat> but um, I do kind of like this because... Sam is, like, all snark in this first episode. And it's not until Jaina leaves the room that you realize he's not just all snark. He's not really a cocky bastard. It's just what he puts on. Because that's how he's been his exodus. And yeah. I'll tell you guys right now, folks, um, that's how he always has his, has his exodus. Like, because he, he was he became exodus when he was, like, 17. Like, he was really young when he became exodus. So the cocky superhero swashbuckling pirate man kind of attitude... Um, is just how he's Exodus because that's how he copes with it, I guess. That's just how he's settled into that role. Um, okay. And I mean, and he is nicer when he's Sam. Like you can hear it, like when she, when Jaina leaves, immediately he kind of drops that attitude. And he's watching, he's watching Asara. Like, are you okay? Because something seems wrong. Um, 
but you can tell that it's like I, Sam's that guy. He's that guy that when you're in a club and he sees a chick, he starts flirting, and you're like, "Oh, you're trying too hard, man. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop. Go buy." So we're gonna get the secret origin of uh, Exodus Avalon story uh, episode, or is that is this is this pretty much it? Um, no, you will find out more about him. Um, season four, the first like quarter of it will have a great deal of focus on on Asara's time as Avalon, and that will include. Cut. Exodus, like like how Sam kind of fell into the role and stuff like that. I mean, and you'll find bits and pieces. Everything happens in season four. Everything. No, it doesn't. Everything happens in season so, three. <laughs> every commentary, it's like, when will we find this out? Aha, it's season four. <laughs> well, some of it you'll find out. I'll be 30. You'll be fine, isn't you, Obi? So shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, it's only because uh, a lot of part of the way that I write this show, I don't want you guys to know everything that Asara knows, because if you knew it, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun of a ride. So, I want you to find out things when you need to find them out. And in this case, you don't need to know much of Asara's past until season three and season four. But you do, I mean, you do find out a great deal about Sam and Asara in season, the end of season two and the beginning of season three especially. There will be a pretty big arc about Sam. So, anyway. yeah, I mean... Well, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> <Next>. Yet. <laughs> but, um... Oh, and then you find out here that Asara's dying. Yeah, I'm nice, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, that's charming. They're not only de- being depowered, but dying at the no, same well, time. it's your own damn fault. Ah, well, oh, is it? Is yeah, well, it really? yes, it is, because she knows that she doesn't have to do anything to help to help Jaina. She could just train her traditionally, yeah. like she was trained, and 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 make sure that that Jaina tried to stay out of messes. And that's one reason why she grabbed Sam was because she knew that Jaina would eventually need help, and that that you know Asara can only do so much, being depowered. But as we know from yeah. watching her train in the very beginning of the season, she still had some residuals, not a lot, but enough to throw, you know, to call upon Kernunos a few times if she needed to. And this is where you find out that that in episode seven, when Martin dies, um, and you watch her help Noir transform, there's like there's there's that actual sequence where she does it. You realize it's hurting her, and this is the point where she finally tells Sam, yeah. "I've done it too many times, and now I'm gonna pay the price because I can feel it. I can feel that I'm dying. I don't even need a doctor to tell me, but I'm going. I know it, and I know what's happening." And <laughs> yeah, it does, but, um, I mean, Asara, I think at this point, is so jaded that even having Jaina around is just not, it's not helping her. I think she's realizing that, that no. she was never that great at Avalon, which, you know, you'll find out more about later down the road. But, um, yeah, so... Here we are at the end of the episode. That was I love that final scene. I like it, too. I really liked it because it was nice to see Asara talk with someone who, uh, who's a bit, who, you know, who's from her past, who isn't Noir. <laughs> and it makes her a lot more human, I think. 
which is something we haven't yeah, really Yeah, I mean, she spends more time Catherine being um, being the trainer, being the teacher, so you don't see her as much as a uh, as a Catherine human Pride. being, and then this Original is the first time you really see that. Um, but yeah, and, yeah. and uh, like I said, this is my one of my favorite episodes because it's Sam's arrival, and he is, he's an important character. I mean, he's Jaina's partner, whether she likes it or not. And he's, she's not really like her, you know, his Batman to a Robin. They're more like Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, I guess. <laughs> but which one is Blue Beetle? And oh which come one on, Sam's Gold? totally Booster. He's the one who'd be like, I can make money off of this, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's market it. <laughs> he'd be like <laughs> Exodus Avalon <laughs> Energy he'd Drinks. Like, he'd be like, um, puts the yeah, god in like, you. There you yeah. go. This shit works itself. <laughs> he'd be like, uh, like Chris Evans in Fantastic Four, where he'd have his armor on, and then he'd be have patches and brand names all over it. Like what? It pays the bills, man. So, all right. So, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, I am Catherine Pride, the writer and and doofer. I, I do all this doof on the show. Um, <laughs> and with me has been. And I'm Chris Britton. I'm the guy yes. who hangs out. Um. <laughs> With some booze. <laughs> With some yeah. Um, thank you for listening to our commentary. And uh, if you like the show, dislike the show, uh, can, would like to see things in the show, um, drop us a line at pendantaudio.com or groups at ya- uh, um, sorry, pendant at yahoogroups.com. And uh, let us know what you think or leave an iTunes review. And now I'm going to shut up because we're like... They're always we're like appreciated. The comment, like, we're like way past the commentary marker. So, um, yeah. all right. Anyway, thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next month. Bye. Au revoir. And that's a wrap.